up your wine. It's time for Rosé All Day and Julie's a Mess, where we talk about current events and living in an intersex life. And now, here's Julie. everybody i'm so sorry my voice is a little raspy today i've been talking all day lots going on in my life uh welcome to episode 24 of rose all day julie's a mess uh so excited to be back once again this week with you guys also excited to have our very first guest from our first episode 24 episodes ago Sean Lewis is back with us. We're going to get to him in just a second. Hi, Sean. Hello, Dad. But first, let's talk about what I'm drinking tonight, because that's why people like to tune in. So normally, y'all know I do a rosé, and I am looking for a wine sponsor. And we currently have interest from a said sponsor. So I'm waiting to hear back from them at this moment. Uh, It was a connection made through a previous guest, Nate West, who was on here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, So we're waiting to hear back from them. In the interim, I've had a rough weekend and a rough week, and it's only Tuesday. So Mama needed something a little bit harder tonight than just a good old glass of rosé. So tonight, I am drinking Mike's Harder Strawberry Pineapple Malt liquor, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what comes in cans. I'm assuming it's a malt liquor. Let me tell you, it's party in my mouth. It literally is like a Tropicana, Tropical party in my mouth, which I have lots of parties in my mouth. But I mean, this is a good one that's going to get me drunk and I haven't eaten tonight. So uh, odds are this is going to be a really good podcast because I'm already starting to feel the buzz. It's already starting to take the pain off of the gravity-defying boobs that I got put in in June. Like, Mike's Harder, Strawberry, Pineapple, whatever. I'm here for it. It's going to be a good night. You can get this glass on JustJulie.com. It is a wonderful tumbler. You can put anything in it. I don't care if you buy it and put rocks in it. Buy it. Because um, I'm moving and I need all the money that I can possibly get to move back to whence I've come. So um, I'm just going to leave it at that. People can guess on their own where or where I may not, where or where I may not be going. But uh, at the moment, I have not heard back from any of the endeavors on the Midwest or West Coast that I was pursuing. So I am heading back towards the East Coast and the Southern Coast, and it's time. I think it's time for Mama to go home. It's time. I think people are waiting for me, maybe with pitchforks and flaming torches. I don't, I mean, I don't know, but, you know, it's time. Also, tonight, just like last week, I have a wig sponsor My wig sponsor tonight, this is the Jade Style in Vanilla Lush, purchased by Michael Booth of Michael's Booths in Orlando. He's actually in Winter Park, but his information is right down here. You'll see it scrolling. He is my wig sponsor. He purchased this for me. I love it. It's great. It's lightweight. The cap is not too tight. 
Um, so I'm looking for wig sponsors. I'm looking for hair sponsors. I'm looking for wine sponsor. Just sponsor me. Like, think of me like the little African child in Ethiopia with the little red bowl full of sticky rice in the 1980s. Mama needs some sponsorship. So whether it be wine, wigs, Patreon, Cash App or Venmo, y'all make sure y'all are doing it because y'all, it's hard to put this podcast together every week. Anyway, that. Hi, Sean. Hello, Jules. How's it going? Good. I've missed you. How have you been? Oh, doing good. No, you know, Orlando, Florida, you know, still doing the same. Theme parks are gaining at capacity again. Everyone's trying to run normal. Um, cases here are going up. Meanwhile, I'm still working remotely at home. Thank you know goodness for you know that job. I still believe in you know wearing my mask in public, even though I'm vaccinated. But hey, you know we're not out of the woods yet, and I am not going to relive another COVID experience, whether it's lockdown or even experiencing COVID again from being sick. You had it, and it was rough for you. That was the worst month of my life. I never felt so sick ever. And I, what vaccination did you get? I <laughs> I thought it was the best one at the time, but uh, it was Moderna. Uh, Even even though um, it's not FDA approved yet, even though Pfizer is the first one to be approved by the FDA. But, you know, I'd rather, you know, have some form of protection more now on top of the immunity I did gain from having COVID. So uh, with the whole Delta variant going on, you know, I'd rather just, you know, protect myself at this point. It's not it's not I don't trust everybody. It's just. I don't trust everybody these days. Right. I don't trust everybody anymore either. Do you now, don't all of the vaccinations have to get the re-up? Hi, I just want to say hi really fast to Charles. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Russell John Associates. And hi, Blair. Thanks for joining. If anybody's watching right now and you're not a part of the live chat, you can join the live chat and we'll be able to see you over on the side. And you can make comments and say hi to us throughout the evening. And that would be great. We love when you join us live. Uh, So I just wanted to make sure I said hi to them. I got Pfizer and I got the Pfizer vaccination because I thought it's Pfizer. They make Viagra. And if they can keep half of the men above 40s dicks hard, I trust them with a vaccination. Well, you know, the only good thing about me taking Viagra is I take it before I go to bed. So that way, you know, I don't toss and roll and fall off the bed. So that's That's right. It's like a kickstand. It keeps you from falling off the bed. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) And it probably makes Randy a little happy when he rolls over at night. and He's like, oh, surprise. (laughs) Surprise. But you didn't take Pfizer. You just said you got Moderna. Yeah, I got Moderna. I was taken at my... Uh, local grocery store of Publix for all um, the Floridians that have well, it. We're just Southerners. We I can't wait to get back to where I'm going just to have a damn Publix. Like that's worth its weight in gold. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because we don't. Have I miss to- that sweet tea. What are you drinking tonight? Well, you know, I'm being a, a classier person. I'm drinking a, a white claw tonight. Classier than me. I'm having Mike's. Hard pineapple strawberry, and you're drinking a white claw. I mean, we white pretty claw. much just have encapsulated every gay bar in the Florida area mm-hmm. between Mark's hard lemonade and white claw. 
See, this is the original seltzer. Yeah, this is the original seltzer because now every beer company is trying to join the seltzer, you know, party. But really, all White Claws were all started at. I only like seltzer in my gin and tonic. Yeah, that's it. I'm not a fan of White Claw. I'm not a fan of carbonated like alcohol. I mean, days like this, I got to drink. Mm-hmm. So let me drink. Do you know what I mean? That's why rosé all day is great. That's why a rosé every week is great. But I mean, the seltzer stuff, like, it's a little too much bubbly for me. Just pour it right down my gullet. We should probably quit talking about alcohol since my friend Charlie's on here and he hasn't been able to have a drink in a month. Uh-oh. That I used to be his thing. Like, Charlie was like, I, that's a good show in its own. Like, just put a camera on Charlie and start him with one alcoholic beverage and, like, six in. He's a whole nother person, which is probably why he stopped. Little Jekyll and Hyde, huh? <laughs> it's fun, though. It's really He's fun. We, I mean, he and I together when we're drunk. It's like a battle scene out of Game of Thrones. There you go. We fight. I know everybody's like, we love our Publix. Okay, so we're moving into, Sean and I always just like to talk and catch up, and we can do that forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are moving into current events. And these were easy picks for me this week. I have to be honest, easy picks. Uh, normally, I struggle with what I want to talk about, but the Taliban taking back Afghanistan. 20 years of America's hard-earned dime and dollar and soldiers and efforts. That's a big crapshoot. Didn't expect that news when I woke up that morning. What a surprise that was. What a surprise that was. And then the second thing I heard was they were, the Taliban was like, we're going to be sweet to women this time around. We're not going to stone them or crucify them or strap bombs to them. We're going to be really nice to women. I don't believe that for a fucking moment. And they went from that, they went from that to going around to shooting reporters that were still in Afghanistan that had a part in misrepresenting the Taliban, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the first thing I heard is they went up to a German reporter's door, opened up the door, shot him in the head. Like, he's going to survive. But I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Nobody fucking believes for one moment that you've changed. Nobody believes that for a moment. Doesn't matter what you tell the world. Nobody for a moment believes that you're a softer, more gentler Taliban. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some people in America that were absolutely born yesterday, but a lot of us were not. Like, I'm worried. I'm a little worried. You know what's scary is when they ordered the American embassy to not only vacate their building, but destroy any equipment and burn any paperwork because they were no longer safe there. That's when you know it's not looking good and who knows what's the next steps. I feel there's not been too much discussion of what, um, what, you know, they want to do there. Uh, I feel like, you know, 
I don't want to like, you know, be hard on Joe Biden because obviously, you know, the whole thing for a while has always been the pandemic, but I feel like overall, what's the next step, what they want to try to do or even talk about, it. I feel like it's not being discussed very much. So you have I to think work. what's hard too is I, and I thought about this the other day, we're going to talk about it. Um, you know, Irene, my lawyer has been doing a lot of work with, um, her organization going over and looking at border patrolling and, and the ice camps and the DACA situation. She just won an Emmy for her work in um, breaking the cycle or breaking free. I, I always get the name wrong, but she just produced a documentary through UCF and with her law students and, and they've been going and looking at all this and you think we're turning away Hispanic people that are trying to get into America but now we're opening our doors to Afghans. We're saying, come on in. We'll put you somewhere. It's horrible what you're going through. Yeah, the refugee thing. But- I mean, you pushed away every other refugee for the last six or seven years and said, we're not taking them. And now you feel a little bad, so we're going to take all the Afghans in. And and I would not be the first person, even though I'm pretty liberal. I. And I'm, well, I'm more middle of the road, but I'm worried. Like, I don't need a whole cell of people coming over here thinking they're safe and then they're not. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even think about Pulse. He was Muslim. Like, I, the ideology that comes from that country, I'm all for saving a life, but I, I feel like we're just kind of letting our our gates down and saying, come on over. But we're literally taking Hispanics and shipping them off to some third world country that they're not even from because we don't want them in this country. But you're willing to let a plane full of Afghans in because the Taliban's now running their state. Like we went over there. We spent 20 years there. We tried to school you on how to keep them out of your government offices. You didn't do that. Like, how many soldiers and how many military and how, and this may be a very unpopular opinion here in America, but the things we did to our own military over that, like. Just about we thought was over. This game started again. I don't like it. I don't like it, people. Would love to hear your comments and your views on this. Would love to hear you comment on this video. If you're listening to us on Spotify or iTunes, would love to hear your comments. Come back. Tell us what you're thinking. How do you feel? Absolutely. Uh, We are going to be moving on to our second uh, topic this week, which, you know, Sean and I are both on TikTok. Now we know each other. We knew each other a long time before. But TikTok in this country has long been a stronghold of good content, bad content, deplorable content, hate. Like, there's a lot of stuff happening on the TikTok app. You know, last year they were all about maybe even banning it here in the United States. Oh, yeah, forgot about that. Do you remember that? I just got an alert on Facebook saying last year they were going to be like, as of Sunday, TikTok is shutting down. And it didn't. It sustained itself. It's here for a year. We're all benefiting from it in some way. Maybe not. There are people that are like, I can't deal with it. 
So this topic, I even look, and I have met some amazing people through TikTok. Amazing. Some of my closest friends now are from TikTok. And I wouldn't have the platform that I currently have with Rose All Day, Julie's a Mess, without meeting some key people through TikTok. Okay. But one of the things that creators always say is there's not enough protection for them as creators. And you're always having to come up with new stuff that sometimes puts your life in danger just to be able to get a like or a heart or a follower and to be able to stay relevant. So where are we going with this? I just talked to Sean. He didn't know about it before I mentioned it yesterday. It was reported that a creator out of Turkey, a Turkish creator, a young girl, and her cousin were up on a roof, nine stories tall, in Turkey, filming content for TikTok. So she could gain followers and gain viewers and get more money thrown her way and be bigger and better than everybody else on TikTok. Because that's what people are trying to do, to be funnier to be more relevant, to get views, to see how much skimpy clothing you can get away with, to, uh, there are guys on there that literally are putting on, now look, I can be thirsty, you can be thirsty, everybody's thirsty, but it's hard to believe that somebody bouncing his junk around in green basketball shorts can get over 3 million views and likes, and Joe Blow that's painting a picture of an elephant, she gets two. Do you know what I mean? Like, but it, that's the platform it is. So this girl's up on the roof and she steps out over the roof's edge onto a gray plastic sheeting. And that sheeting ripped. She fell through it 160 feet, nine stories down. I think it's more than that. That's got to be more than 160 feet. But she fell nine stories down to her death and her cousin filmed it. Oh, God, I don't know if the cousin released it on her TikTok platform, but the story was that the girl was making TikTok content when she fell and lost her life. And that begs everybody to wonder, what are we doing as a society? Like, why are we allowing this to happen? Well, I, I'm not mad at TikTok. It's not their fault, but as a society, it feels like we're doing more and more things to be recognized and seen and be more popular and be this and that. And it's literally killing people. No, these days, you know, you know, people, they need like a new outlet to try to be more productive where and they can find something that's going to replace, you know, a job and it's something that they're passionate about. You bet they're going to use every you know ounce they can to, uh, to get, like you said, you no know, try to get a like, get a follower, and maybe at some point you know it gives people you know good income and become part of a social media, to pretty much like a local celebrity. I mean, look at some of the you know names out there that start off you know and you know little social media little gag videos and makeup tutorials. Now has a beautiful house in Hawaii, and my biggest. Uh, one really, I think is that Bremen Rock, you know, guy from Hawaii. My God, this, you know, someone who came, you know, out, you know, from nothing and now became something. And he's, well, like, what, 
22, 23 years old, and here I'm 31. It's hard, though, as a creator. It's hard coming because you don't know what to post. You've got to figure out what your algorithm is. Where, Like, I know as a creator on TikTok that when I try and do funny stuff, which I'm good at, right, because that's my background, when I try and do funny stuff, it gets moderate likes. Mm -hmm. When I do educational stuff about being XXY, it gets over moderate likes. When I clap back at people and I'm mean and frustrated over their ignorance, that stuff skyrockets. And then I leave sometimes feeling like I'm a bitch. Like I leave literally going, oh, the hate. That's what gets me views and attraction and likes the hate. And it's sad. You know, and you think you think kids make up a bulk of TikToks, you know, algorithm and and kids are trying to do everything that they can to stay relevant. And it's killing some of them, mm-hmm. literally. It's making them make poor decisions. And they're, they're, you know, you know, there's a kid out there somewhere that's like, I'm going to stick my finger in this light socket and see how many views I can get. Oh, and I'm going to hold a fork in my other hand and stick it in a bottle of water. Like. You think, you know, we sort of phased out of the whole jackass era, you know, but here we are, you know, let's not forget, you know, a few years ago, people were doing these random challenges. I thought, who, first of all, invented this and how did it spread around so quickly? I mean, I think the biggest one that I still question, why was that ridiculous Tide Pod challenge, which. Which started on TikTok. That was before COVID happened. That was before COVID happened and then all these adults ended up on TikTok. That was going around on TikTok and we were all like, who are these dumb kids eating Tide Pods? Like, and now we're all on TikTok and I'm like, I understand why some of you eat detergent. Mm -hmm. Like, what's this about society? And then let's talk about another huge platform while we're talking about public platforms. OnlyFans, oh you know, OnlyFans created or rebranded, really, if you want to talk about it, selling sex online. It really did. Like everybody that had an OnlyFans account from gay men to strippers to trans women to, I mean, anybody that was a sex worker pretty much had an OnlyFans account. And that's what it's been known as for the past four or five years. There was a girl last year that literally made a million dollars off of her OnlyFans by selling her bath water. She was like busty and sexy and a porn star and she would bottle up her bath water and sell it. And she made a million fucking dollars. I mean, don't think for a minute. I didn't think, hmm, how do I make this work for me? But I mean, I know people on TikTok that also have only fans, right? So you think about that. There's even a Netflix show called Selling Sex and it's all about OnlyFans. And then last week, OnlyFans said, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to sell sex anymore. We're moving away from that. We want to be more like TikTok and more creativity-based. And guess what? I can see other platforms lasting. But I read a report saying that OnlyFans, their algorithm, any other company could switch and do that and be okay. 90 
50% of all OnlyFans users and subscribers are there for sex. 90%. So this could be cataclysmic for OnlyFans. I, do I think it's great? Yeah, I think it's great that you're moving towards that. It's going to put a lot of people out of work. Yeah, people are going to be out of work. And next thing you know, they got to start switching to the... <laughs> Somebody's going to create something new and it's going to be something else because a lot of these people, that's their livelihood. I mean, that Netflix show even said that there are people on OnlyFans that are bringing in close to two, $3 million a year. Well, well, shoot. I wish I can pull you know, two or three. I know, right? I don't got enough followers on Facebook to even get support. That's when you get mad and you're like, maybe I need to be fucking online. Maybe that's what I'm doing wrong. Maybe I need to just have sex online. And then next thing you know, people will be, you know, becoming refugees to just fans um, or just for fans.com. Right. Only (laughs) refugees. I know. So only fan refugees will be going to just for fans.com. So so let's see how that company starts, you know, taking in the refugees. I mean, these current events this week are hot, people. It's hot. If you have an opinion or you want to comment on anything that we just talked about, whether it be the Taliban, whether it be refugees, whether it be OnlyFans slashing their marketability, comment on this video. We love new comments. Comment in the thread. Write us. Tell us you're wrong, right? Let us know. We are moving on. It is about 6.26. We're moving right along. Uh, I always forget to do this. I do, Sean. I forget to do it. You've already done it. And it's a part of my show. Like, it's called Julie's a Mess. And I always forget to think of a story for my guest to show them how much of a mess I am. I always forget. So I don't know. So what we did the last couple of weeks is I'm going to ask for a suggestion from you in a second, a one word suggestion. We're going to improv this bitch and we're going to Armando style it, Armando style it. So I'm going to ask for a suggestion in a couple of minutes from that suggestion. I'm going to tell a story from my past and we're going to see if you can finish it. Cause what Julie's a mess. So here we go. Clear your mind on the count of three. Say the first word that comes to your mind it can be anything. One, two, three. Eat. Eat. He goes with eat. Okay, look, I don't care. It's all about being real, right? This is all about being real. And the thing, the way this works is he says a word and I have to come up with a story that's true. So here we go. I don't have a sponsor yet. I don't have anybody to impress. The radio station's not calling me. So let's do it. You ready? Here we are. Raw and uncensored for whoever may be listening or watching at home. Here is the story I'm telling based on Sean Lewis's suggestion of eat. Julie had a date a couple of weeks ago. And this guy was older and he was kinky. He was, I mean... Kinky personified. Like, I thought that I've done a lot of things in my lifetime when it comes to dating Sean, but this man was capital K-I-N-K-Y. I mean, one of those people where they say they're kinky 
in all things that they do, but you're literally having to try and figure out something that they haven't done to like raise the ante. I often say kinky people when it comes to um, sex. It's almost like that great mythical hit of cocaine or weed. Like they're always looking for something better to take the edge off. I mean, who doesn't want their partners to have pleasure? Right? Like, what's the point? Why would you be doing it if it's not to have fun and stuff like that? So um, I devised very quickly something that I thought he's probably never done. He has probably never done. Now, this is something that you hear about being done in certain, certain circles. We've all heard about it being done. I've never done it before, for sure. Um, Sean Lewis, what do you think? <laughs> oh my God. Sean Lewis, you've known me for a really long time. Yes, I have. I what's one of your favorite things? To, about you what's, your, what, what's one of your favorite things to say about me whenever I am filterless and say something horrible in front of you? What's one of your favorite things to say? Oh my God. God. You know, you say it all the time. You're like, Julie is such, such a, a such a classy lady. Such a classy lady. So Knowing what you know, um, how do you think, what do you think Julie did to this gentleman? I'm pretty sure someone finally took advantage of the infamous booty pops. I mean, no, we don't have to tell people about that. Even though, you know, my truck is named Lolly. Oh, there you go. I did name my truck Lolly, but we don't have to tell people about that necessarily. People are like, what? And I got a couple of nicknames in the last couple of weeks. Somebody said, oh, I like the nickname Lollipop for you. And I went, well, it fits sometimes. Um, somebody called me, somebody I'm dating started to call me Hollywood. That fits. I think that fits. They're like, that's my new nickname for you is I'm going to start calling you Hollywood. And I was like, why? And they were like, you know, because... You're old school glam. You're seductive, but in like an old Hollywood kind of style. I was like, all right, I can roll with that. Lollipop, Hollywood. Okay, so continue your story. What do you think happened? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sheesh. Oh my gosh. Let's see here. I mean, there people have so many different kinks these days. You know, I thought, you know, you know, you read it all, you know, based on, you know, crazy stories on Reddit or even seen those weird, you know, wacky shock videos over there. I mean, people can have, a, you know, a kink for anything these days. And what seems kind of like, you know, taboo or very, you know, odd to, you know, many people, they enjoy it themselves i mean i mean unless you know someone brought you know like a third party in the room and people were 
you know, doubt, you know, are just covering themselves with food or putting chicken salad in certain orifices. Oh gosh, that reminds me of that story I told you about the, the lady chicken salad the story. That, it ties into that. That's why I use that. Gross. That's gross. <laughs> story for later. Blair's probably like, what story is that? Blair, it has to do with a woman in Orlando years ago that was using chicken salad in ways that nobody else was using chicken salad. And it wasn't for a lunchtime soiree, okay? But we'll tell that story later. So um, he, I liked him. This guy was nice. He was nice. He was sweet. But he definitely fetishized me. Like he definitely was fetishizing me, which I do not like. I don't like being fetishized. For those that are listening at home or watching, that means that men will think that I'm trans or maybe they know about my intersex past, but they will treat us almost like unicorns, right? And they'll be like, oh, I want to do this and this and this. And I watched a video and your kind of girls did this and girls like you did that. And that's fetishizing. And I don't like it. I, I'm not a one trick circus pony. Although I do have some tricks. And if you piss me off, you're dead. I'm going to use them, okay, to teach you a lesson, taking you to school. Uh, Blair said, perfect name for me, Miss Hollywood. (laughs) So anyway, um, this gentleman said, do you like to do it? What are you going to, he basically said, what are you going to do to me that's kinky? I mean, my first thought was, I'm going to tie you up and blindfold you and leave. <laughs> oh, my God. That makes me, you know, like, whoo, that was hot. I'm going to be like, I'm going to blindfold you and gag you, and I'm going to walk out your door, and you're never going to see me again. And your <laughs> mate's going to come in next week and find you like that. But I'm not that mean, right? So um, I, had gone bef- I had gone to Five Below earlier that day with a friend to buy dog toys for his dog. Not the guy that I was with, but my other friend. And while we were there, you know, Five Below has a great candy selection. Have you ever been to a Five Below? I've been there once. We actually do got one near my area, so I'm very familiar with it. They have a great candy selection Mm -hmm. of old school candies like Charleston Chews and Bubba Yubba. Like they have old school like 70s, 80s, 90s candies. So I got all excited because we went to Five Below and they had Pop Rocks for like a dollar, two for a dollar. So, you know, I scooped me up a whole bunch of Pop Rocks, a whole bunch of Pop Rocks. So I had like four or five packs of Pop Rocks in my purse that night. And I was like, what can I do that I've heard is kinky that he may like? So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to sprinkle these all over your um, Tower of Terror. And then I'm going to... um, make him pop. And he was like, okay, so I did that. He liked that. I mean, he liked that. But it wasn't enough. And he started to be like, I want more, baby. What are you going to do? I want more. I want more. And I knew at this point that this was not ever going to turn into a long-term dating romance for me, that he basically at that point was totally fetishizing me. He wanted me to let the new girls out of the 
bolster holder, even though I said they're still healing and I can't play with them until September. Like he was in all manner of speaking, a creep. Oh God. So I said, well, there's one more thing we can do, but I, I don't know if you can handle it. Oh, oh God. I said, bend over. And he was like, well, what's it going to do in there? And I said, the same thing it did on your Tower of Terror. It's going to pop. And you're either going to like it or you're not going to like it. Sean, I shoved as much of that bag in there as I possibly could. (laughs) And then I went in his bathroom and got his little syringe that he used for other things. Mm-hmm. Let everybody at home come to their own conclusion about why a grown 50-year-old would have a syringe in his bathroom without a needle on it. I mean, people in the gay community, they know. Mm-hmm. But everybody else listening at home, that can be your homework this week. Go figure out why Julie went off the rails telling this weird, kinky sex story. Not a turkey baster, kids. Yep. I went back into the bedroom and I was like, here's the grand finale. It's going to be like fireworks at the 4th of July. Get ready. I hope you can take it. He was like, oh, baby, do it to me. All right. You would have thought that I'd literally stuck a black cat up his ass and lit it. Like, you made the joke earlier about the kickstand in bed. He literally was rolling all over the place. I thought, I hope this doesn't hurt him, like, internally, because Julie could end up getting arrested. People do weird things themselves to the point where now they hurt themselves for their own pleasure, so. But look, I mean, I got a big old kiki laugh out of it. Julie's a mess. Don't fuck with her. Don't fuck with her. And, and, you know, if you do fuck with her, fuck with her. (laughs) John. Don't be bad. <laughs> Speaking of fucking with Julie, um, I miss Dark Horizon. Oh, I know. I miss it. We you know, like your COVID, COVID destroyed so many things. Oh. And the fact that it destroyed the second year of Dark Horizon in Orlando is devastating. And I would love for them to come back next year, but I don't know if they will. Did you end up as a haunt actor? Did you end up auditioning for anything in Orlando this year? You know, there was one opportunity that I actually missed just because I was kind of interested in this new haunt that's like in the area. But at the same time, it's just, I just didn't have that that drive compared to either Dark Horizon and of course, you know, the big one here in Orlando, which is, you know, Universal Halloween Horror Nights. And, you know, Horror Nights was just very limited based on what I saw. And it's just, I feel like no one's going to compa- uh, com- uh, can sort of satisfy that uniqueness of what Dark Horizon had to offer. And, of course, the bigger haunts that, you know, we were very spoiled with prior to that. And, you know, I tried and missed out. And the way things are here in Florida, I don't know if I really want to go out in the general public for work like that still. It's because... 
Well, like you said, you're protecting yourself from the Delta variant. Nobody's wearing masks. Everything's going up in Florida. Like it makes you go, hmm, do I want to participate in something like that? It, I mean, but all the parks are open in Orlando and they're saying that that's why the cases are on the rise. Yeah. And in the same time, too, you know, everything over here, at least, you know, the way how some people are trying to run things, you know, what comes to whole, you know, government officials, they're just blowing off things like it's nothing. I mean, and, you know, you know, with work, you know, being limited for many places, you know, you know, I can't afford, you know, to lose work in case, you know, I get sick again or someone else gets sick and I need to attend to them. And, you know, I never felt so safe working at home. I mean, I'm comfortable when it comes not to worry about, you know, doing, you know, and traffic and driving and gets, and having to be late. And all I do is just, you know, get up, you know, good amount of time before my shift starts, turn on my computer, walk over a few steps to my desk and boom. I mean, I could have, you know, worked at Halloween shift, you know, for other Halloween gigs, but at the same time too, working late at night and coming back the next morning, you know, for your regular day job, it gets harder to work stuff like that when your energy is not the same anymore when you're in your early 20s. Like I barely survived Dark Horizon back in, that was 2019, right? Yeah, 2019. I was dead. Yeah, it seems like it's almost two years ago and it feels like it was last night mm -hmm. in some ways. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the Dark Harbor panel, so Dark Harbor just did Scream Fest again. Is it Scream Fest in L.A.? Uh, which is where a lot of like haunts will come and share uh, their process of how they build a haunt. I want to say it's called Scream Fest. And so. um, Dark Harbor took part in that panel again this year. So David Wally, Charity Gill, Steve Sheldon, and then the Peggy, incomparable was Peggy McGee, who I love and adore and, and love that I can call her a close friend. Um, they took part in it and they got to talk about that. And that made me think of, I miss it. I miss it. I miss it. And it makes me even miss the queen. And so, um, you know, I'm moving to an area uh, without giving away where I'm moving. I'm moving to an area that is known for its rich haunted history. And I'm trying my damnedest to get hired uh, as a part-time tour guide during their, you know, holiday season. I think it would be great to go around there and just be a part of that again. And I miss, you know, I, it's so funny because I think everybody likes to be scared and I think everybody likes to have those moments where they're just petrified, but I miss this. This does sound really weird. I miss the spirits. I miss the vibe. I miss that. You know, I liked that on the Queen Mary after a couple of tours, you felt like you were a part of that ship in ways that you could never that anybody else wouldn't necessarily understand or acknowledge. And it really feels like home. And you're not just talking about incidences that happen on the ship. You were talking about your family and a part of your history. Cause we're now a part of that tapestry of the queen Mary, you know, we're in it. We're just like James would always say, the ship does something to you and we're a part of that. And so I'm looking forward to going to this place and maybe becoming a part of that haunted mm -hmm. history, like, and getting back to my tour guide, you know, my tour guide roots. That would be fun. The job just to talk and talk and, you know, and engage with people and 
telling unique stories and a very unique environment, it really sets the mood. And at the end, it's just, yeah, it's education in a way, but also it's very entertaining um, for you, at least for us as tour guides. And some people find it as entertainment, you know, on their side as well. Well, you know, some people don't believe in ghosts. That doesn't mean they don't exist. I I say that all the time. People are like, I don't believe in ghosts. I'm like, well, your belief doesn't make it true. You know, there are people out there that are probably like, I don't believe in the properties of weed. That doesn't mean that it doesn't help people. Like, it is what it is. But um, I'm excited. Like, I want to go back. I What I love as a tour guide being in those kind of environments is things that you would see as a tour guide that you knew that doesn't happen all the time. Mm-hmm. That's not a part of the spiel or that's not a part of the prank or that's not a part of like ghosts and legends is perfect because you knew what your spiel was and you knew that it was a show created to give people a little bit of a jumper and edge. Mm-hmm. And when things would happen on that ship that were not a part of the show as a tour guide, you'd be like, well, I can't wait for this tour to be over so I can get out of here. Like mm-hmm. I'm creeped out and people would be like, it's not really haunted. And you're like, the fuck it isn't. <laughs> but if you don't believe in it, like, but I mean, I, I love that people love Halloween, but I mean, I just love like learning things and going on a tour and being a tour guide and being like, look, you don't have to believe in it, but what just happened with the gas lamp over there in the corner is not a prank and doesn't happen all the time. Like my thing for me was this, it's like, you know, I rotated on doing tours. Some days I'll do the ghost and legend show. And some days, some nights you I'll do haunted encounters. encounters. And so at haunted encounters, we did about three tours for a while. Then we, split, we ranked up to four, but, but you have different groups, obviously. And you no, know, anything could you know be different on each tour. One of my favorite things was the fact how I took people into the changing rooms, the changing rooms in the swimming pool, small group of people, and out of nowhere, we smelled a little hint of like an old style floral perfume, like someone just walked by and it was gone. Uh-huh. This day, I can't explain that. And so imagine we begin your next tour of the day. You tell everyone, okay, everyone, so um, our last tour that just happened, this took place over here. And people are like, what? This happened recently? And it changes the whole, you know, you know. I was event. doing an encounter. I was doing dining with the spirits one night and we went into the first class swimming pool. And Sean knows like, cause they would always send you in different entrances and exits based on the tour you were doing. You know, mm-hmm. like you had a very, your entrance point for, for ghosts and legends would be to take people into the briefing room and then to go back by the pool and you would go in the pool real fast and do your thing, but then you would leave and go. But like, you know, with haunted encounters, you would come in the back entrance by the original entrance. Yeah. You walk down that corridor or whatever. So one night we came in for haunted encounters and there were wet, wet wingtip shoed. You know how a wingtip shoe is. It's pointed at the top. And then comes down. It was clearly a man's wingtip shoe. And it was a wet footprint. And it literally was like one footprint, two footprint, half a footprint into the wall. No footprints going that way. No footprints going in the other direction. No footprints wet going 
away from the pool, like literally one and a half, two and a half footprints right directly into that tile wall. How do you like, and people are like, you, somebody did this. And I'm like, how there's no water in the pool. There's no condensation. And how would you get over here without extra drippage to take a shoe and make one footprint, two footprints, and you'd have to bend the shoe to make a half footprint. So half of the footprint would be on the tile. And it wasn't. It literally looked like somebody had walked through the wall. Yeah. Um, I've experienced the wet footprints before. For me, it was when one of the corners where you can see like a ladder, people would will climb on the pool originally and you could see as if someone climbed out of the pool some little droplets like someone was dripping with water and little fo- a couple footprints and happened one of my night tours we just walked in um went in the changing rooms and walked out and all of a sudden they were starting to form little by little i can't explain it well the most i'll never forget i'll never forget on one of my haunted encounter tours uh, i had a gentleman and four women you you know how haunted encounters were. Sometimes you would have 75 people eating dinner and going on a tour. And other times you would have one, you know? So I had um, this guy and four women, like his women friends. I don't know if he was dating any of them, but he was like super big timing baller type person. And um, I didn't like, after a while, I did not like going into the engine room. So I would take people into the engine room and turn on that stupid video with like Dustin and everybody in it, right? Uh, yes. But I wouldn't like boiler rooms. The boiler. I wouldn't rooms. stay in the boiler room because it was creepy to me in there. I always felt like there was something ick in the boiler rooms. Yeah. Like just, ugh, I don't want to be down here. Any other room in that ship, I could go down and be okay. But in the boiler room, I just felt a heavy, oppressive ick. And so I would deposit my groups in there, turn the video on and be like, I'll be right out here if any of you don't want to wait in there. Like, if you don't want to watch the video, come out and hang out and we'll watch the the raccoons eat Starburst on the escalators. But like, I did not want to be in there, right? And so one night, because it was just the five of them, I didn't want to leave them alone. So I sent them into the room and I went to go check on something and I came or I went to go check my phone or something or like the time. And I came back in and the guy went, who is that? And I went, who? And he went, that. And he pointed up. You know that, You know when you walked in the boiler room off to the right, there was like that shaft that went all the way up like two or three stories and it was an opening. And you could see like they always left a light in there and you could see like the inner workings of the ship. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. So I walked in, he was like, Who's that? And I turned around and I looked. Sean, I'm not kidding you. You could literally see a man in coveralls, in blue coveralls, from like the waist up. And he had a wrench in his hand. You could totally make out that it was a wrench. And he was banging on that big pole. Banging on it. You didn't hear the bang. You didn't hear the clank, clank, clank. But he was like... And then you could see him shimmy up a little bit and shimmy down a little bit. And then he turned and looked over his shoulder directly at me and had like a wink in his eye. And I went, what the? So we go up to security for me to let everybody out 
on the tour and I'm like, have a nice night. Thanks for coming. Hope you had fun. Blah, blah, blah. And I went right up to security and I went, I'm not going down there to lock everything up. I'm not going down there. I'm like, this is what I saw. And if somebody wants to go back down there with me and we can lock it all up, but if not, it's staying open. And the security guard was like, I'm not going down there with you. And I was like, but we got to lock it up. And he's like, I'll lock the exterior doors up leading out to the gangplank, but I'm not going down into the boiler room with you if you're telling me that there's somebody down there. And he goes, he said, Julie, he didn't, he said Bradford at the time, but he goes, think about it. What does our engineering crew wear? And I went, white shirts, green pants. And he goes, what did you just say he was in? And I said, a light blue coverall suit. So the next morning I came in and um, I can't think of his name right now, that, that guy that was always like the head of security. Do you think of his name right now? He's not there anymore. He moved over to, he left security and moved into something else. God, Super nice guy with glasses, African-American, really tall. I can't think of his name. William? William. Is that his name? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. William. So hmm. he says to me, what'd you see him in? And I told him the coveralls, uh, blue, you know, the cinched around the waist, coveralls. Talk to Everett about what they used to wear on the ship. So I went up to Everett and I said, what did engineering used to wear on the ship back in the day? And he took me down to archives and showed me. And they were all in those blue coveralls. I'm not kidding you when I tell you the color drained out of my effing body. Drained. Like I was as white as these curtains behind me. White. And Everett's are, are you okay? And I went, I'm pretty sure I saw a fucking ghost last night. I'm pretty sure we all saw it. Like, I'm pretty sure, and I explained what it looked like, and he went, yeah, probably. You probably did. He's like, because that's not what our engineers wear, and our engineers wouldn't be up in there. That's just for show that the lights are left on. Mm-hmm. No one need to work in there anymore. <laughs> I mean, after that, I was like... You're like, I'm not opening or closing these things up at night anymore. I was, No. I didn't before anyway, but I mean, I really wasn't then. I felt guilty when Bob Hope's Oscar was down there because I was like, that needs to be protected. Nobody needs to walk off of that. But for the most part, because of the experiences I had on that ship, I did not lock shit back up. Especially if I was alone. Oh, I now did. I'm like, okay, I'll go do it. Because what's going to happen? You're going to push me down the stairs? Like, I'll get workers comp. I'm no dummy. But like, then I was like, ain't doing it, not going back. I mean, because it was draining too. Like I felt like the spirit and the energy definitely drained on you after a night of dining with the spirits. There are times I left that ship and while I was still on the ship changing, even in our dressing room, I felt just drained. Mm. And as soon as I would get off the ship into the parking lot, into my vehicle, then it felt like this weight had been lifted and I was okay to drive home. That was like one of the most unique things I used to tell everyone during, especially my late night tours. A lot of times, when you certain parts of the ship, people always felt like this heaviness or like their energy is being used up. And I was always to say that many, you know, 
paranormal researchers and parapsychologists believe that when someone's losing their energy, it's part of the way of how the spirits are trying to gain the energy and really make themselves known. Yeah. And that's what we, I used to um, give a little disclaimer saying there are some times where, you know, people on the tour have felt like they felt dizzy or getting lightheaded or, you know, and something feels off. Say something, not only for your safety, but at the same time, you might be having an experience that's now part of the tour. Well, I had people a couple of times on my tour, I had a woman drop in the middle of B350, like just drop like a sack of bricks. Oh. And I got her out to the hallway and we got her some water and I called security and she goes, I go to the gym every day. She goes, I work out. I'm a runner. I've never felt that way. And I said, what did it feel like? And she goes, it felt like somebody had placed their hands on my shoulder and they were forcing me down to the ground. Sheesh. And I was like, well, you can rejoin us when you're feeling better. We're going to go ahead and move on because I'm on time limited. Are you okay? And she's like, I'm fine. She didn't come back and join the tour. I don't blame her. She probably went up to the OB bar and got a gin and tonic. Good old, t- good old fun times. I miss Have some spirits while you see some spirits. But I miss the chef. I miss, I miss the, I, James is right. Like, there are parts of that ship that you just become that become imbued in who you are as an energy and a spirit and as a life spirit. And I have dreams about that fucking ship and I haven't been on it since 2015, 2000. Yeah. That's not true. I went back in 2018 and visited, but like I have dreams about that ship, like literally wake up in my dream. Like I'm in the queen salon looking in the peach tinted mirrors there's so many things in that ship that I miss that you know I didn't realize how much I really appreciated until I left you know but it's you no know, the beautiful you know rooms or the inner workings of the ship just of it being such a very one-of-a-kind place and for how blessed we were as tour guides at least during my years how we had keys. We're just blessed to be an employee on that ship, whether yeah. it be at the front desk or I'm blessed that I got to work at the front desk and got to hear half of the ghost stories the guests would tell. But for me was, you know, the fact that I had keys to practically almost everything there. It, I think one of the best memories is when I took one of my good friends there and I, was, I had time in between my tours and I said, hey, you guys want to show you guys around? And the moment I took out my keys, she's like, oh, my God, I feel such royalty. This, he actually has keys. I, yeah, it's like, oh, my gosh. So, you know, I just you know miss having something where I appreciated so much for what I did and for where I was at. I totally forgot. I'm I think what's funny, too, people would always say, I think Disney's haunted. And I've been all over Disney. So have you. And there are times that I'm like, yeah, maybe it is. But I knew for certain working on the Queen. I mean, there were times I I got off of work from the Queen Mary and I'd call a friend in California and be like, I need a drink and I need a prayer. I need prayers and I need a drink. And if you can throw in some Reiki, that would be great too. Because I, you, I, I can't make people believe in ghosts, but there was definitely energy on that ship that was just... That's years of human energy all stemming back from the construction workers when they were first being built to the very last person who locked it up before the team of, um, of employees got 
laid off during COVID. Well, and the stuff you see that you yeah. can't explain. It's- I mean, there are times, let's be honest, and I love that we're talking about this in Dark Horizon and Halloween's approaching. That's my favorite time of the year. Uh-huh. But uh, and I love a good ghost story. But you know, we had a we had a woman come up to the front desk when I was working the front desk before I went into attractions, and she was like, I heard blocks every once in a while, like kids' blocks every once in a while in the middle of the night, like they were being knocked down. And she goes, I didn't get any sleep. I was petrified. And I looked at her room and I went, okay. And she was like, is my room haunted? And I went, ah, because there was nothing in the log that said her room had ever had activity in it before. Yeah. But she was right next to the ice machine. (laughs) I was like, I'm pretty sure that's the ice machine. But then other people would come up to the desk and say things and you, you would look at the room log and the haunted log and you'd be like, You know, you'd be like, you know, and you would struggle with what to tell them. And they would be visibly upset that they didn't get any sleep because their luggage was moving across the, you know, they'd be like, oh, the ship, the ship is uh, moving. And you're like, no, it's, it's moored. We're moored into dock. And they'd be like, oh, but we're moving back and forth like this. And you're like, well, no. And they'd be like, but my luggage was moving across my floor last night. Like we were moving like rolling back and forth. And you literally would look at them and go, listen, let me comp your parking and please come back and see us. I'll comp your parking. You don't have to pay $20 for the resort fee. I'm sorry. It kept you up and they leave and you'd be like, holy schmoly. I'm not checking anybody into C320 anytime soon. (laughs) <laughs> you were like, what, the, what, what happened? What, what did you say happened to you while you were sleeping? <laughs> what? One guy came up to the front desk one night and claimed that he had been raped in the middle of the night. And Michelle Maz and I were standing up at the front desk and we just kind of looked at him and he was like, I woke up this morning and, you know, there was blood in my underwear. And I thought, no way. No way. No way. Gypsy. Walk no way. I looked at Michelle and I was like, no way. And then he was like, I was in the Navy. And I'm like, he's been bleeding into his underwear since he was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Trapped with lots of seamen. Right. He's had his share of sailors. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I but just, then there were times where they, people would legitimately come up and tell you things and you're like, I can't explain that. I can't. I can't. One of my most crazy stories on that ship, this is kind of taking the place of five questions because we got to know you the first episode. Mm-hmm. But one of my um, favorite stories on that ship is um, I was doing a Haunted Encounters tour in the afternoon and I had a long... You, you, I mean, Sean and I know you would have so many people on this tour that you would literally be at one end of the ship trying to scream back through the hallway to everybody else. And oftentimes you'd have to repeat yourself as the tour like moved up into a larger area because mm-hmm. people in the back wouldn't hear what you were saying in the front. Yeah. And this couple, this mom and daughter, I heard an audible gasp. 
I heard an audible, audible mm-hmm. gasp, right? Now, prior to this tour, there had been a woman that had been on the ship and she'd come on Ghost and Legends the previous day. She did Glory Days tour with me earlier on in the day. And she told me that she was staying in a room on the B deck and that she had had a dream last night, the night before, that she woke up and there was a gentleman leaning out of the port side of her room with a necklace. And he literally just said, I stole this. And she literally said, neat. That's great. (laughs) And then he went back into the wall and I thought, that's interesting. Yes. Have you had your medication today? Like, cause I'd never heard that story. So on haunted encounters, this mother and girl, she makes an audible gasp. I go back and I said, are you okay? And the woman said, well, my daughter's anklet just popped off her ankle and it's got a lobster class on it. And it's never done that before. She, and I said, a lobster clasp. And she's like, it's got a lobster. Like, you've got to do it. Click mm-hmm. it. Click it. You know, she's like, it's never come off ever. My wow. daughter got it when she was 11. She's 18 now. It's never fallen off her ankle. And the daughter said it felt like somebody was tugging on it and it broke. So I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Lots of jewelry stories today. You know, I kind of was like, whatever, let's finish our tour. So we finished the tour, and then I went up to Everett later the next day, and I said, has there ever been a jewelry thief on the ship? Is that recorded anywhere that there was a jewelry thief? Mm -hmm. And he went, that's very interesting. And Will got involved, and Will said, yes, let me take you to the archives. First of all, I hated going into the archives. It felt like there was shit down there that was just... (laughs) <laughs> malevolent Epic I did not like going also. into the archives <laughs> so we go into the archives and they pulled up that in the 40s in the late 40s early 50s there was a jewel thief on board and he was staying on the B deck and it was like B 46 or something like that and um, I found that woman the next day she was like I, she came back up to the prom deck and she goes I just wanted to tell you I had a blast you're a great tour guide. Everybody here is so nice. She was like, where do I turn my keys in? And I went, you can leave them here. You know, we'll get them back to the front desk and put them in the key drop. If you're leaving from the prom deck, you can leave from the front. And she goes, thank you so much. My mom and I had a great time. We just ate lunch at the prom. You know, we're going. And she left and I opened up her key fold and it was B46. Oh, and that was God. the room she was staying in. That was also where my tour was when the girl's anklet bracelet was popped off. Well, well, no. And I was like, well, boy, howdy. It's things like that I miss. Like, it's creepy. That is great. I love it. But then it's also things you miss. Like, I was doing a tour once on Encounters. I did. Sean knows when you do a tour well on the Queen Mary. They saddled you with that tour all the time. Mm-hmm. Like if you did well and people came back and gave you like a million compliments for being a great tour guide, you did that tour for the rest of your existence mm-hmm. on the Queen Mary. Yeah. So let me tell you, Julie's schedule. Four haunted encounter tours during the day. This is towards the end of her career. Four haunted encounters tours during the day. 
And then on Friday and Saturday, she would stay, go have dinner and come back and eat dinner with guests that had paid an extra fee for dining with the spirits. And that was basically just haunted encounters, but for three hours instead of an hour. Mm -hmm. So by the time Julie burnt out, I was doing haunted encounters seven days a week, all day long. Sean would see me and I was like, fuck this shit. Like, I could do I'm this over Sir Winston steak. I'm over fish and chicken. I, yeah, I and Sean to... used to laugh because I would go up to Sir Winston's and I would go up and see my friends and I'd be like, is there any way possible, right? Because employees can't drink. Yeah. You know, everybody else was like, we'll buy you a bottle of wine. We'll buy you a drink. What are you having? I had Red Bull and Coke. I drink Red Bull and Coke all the time. Mixed. I was like, I'll have a Coke with Red Bull in it. Like they knew what to bring me. But I asked JB, I was like, can, um, he asked me once, I was like, can I make my own menu? And he was like, why? And I was like, well, I love the mac and cheese and I like the salmon, but they don't come together because it was the steak and mac and cheese and the salmon and the like risotto. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, can I get the steak and risotto or can I get the mac and cheese and the salmon? And they'd be like, because after I was doing it all the time. So they were like, sure, that's fine. And I was raising their alcohol sales. And I was, I would go up there and tell people exactly what would go with what they were eating. Mm-hmm. Like if they were like, I'm not sure what to get for an appetizer. I'd be like, get the lobster bisque. Then do the steak. If you're a meat person, then get this as a side. Like I was tell, I would walk people through it. I mean, I'm that guy that would be like, you're going to take a little bit of the salt and a little bit of the butter and spread it over that fruit bread that they give oh, you. Oh and that's going to bring out the hint of flavor in the fruit bread that you need. That's going to pair well with your white wine. Like, and then I would tell people during the tour, we can talk about anything during dinner except spirits. Cause I got to talk about them for three hours. And if we talk about them now, we I'm not going to have tour. anything to talk about after dinner. <laughs> So we'd talk about anything. I would talk about anything, but we weren't talking about spirits. Mm -hmm. So I loved it. But after a while, I got tired of the apple tart and I didn't like the cheesecake option. So I asked JB if they, you know, they had a, they had a cleanse. I don't know if you know this, Sean. I think you did it a couple of times. I know it. They would cleanse your palate during your entrees with a champagne sorbet. Yep. I remember. And it was sorbet made with champagne. So there was alcohol in it and they would do it to cleanse your palate. And I got smart. I was like, these fucking morons are going to wear my shit out in the next four hours. And I can't drink. (laughs) So for dessert, I would ask JB if I could have a bowl of the sherbet. And And they didn't know any better. They were like, oh, she just likes the champagne sherbet. Just give her a bowl of it. So they bring me out a bowl and it would be like, Nine balls of champagne sherbet in it. And I was like, bitch is drinking before the tour. Like I would eat that sherbet. Sometimes I wouldn't even eat dinner or bread. I would just eat the sherbet. I'd eat it when they got it in between palate cleansing. And then I'd eat a big bowl of it. So by the time I went on the tour, I was as tipsy as those motherfuckers. Do you know what I mean? I was like, let's do it. Let's go on a fucking ghost tour. Go down the waves. And then Sean laughs. They let us bait for tips. I didn't do it too much because you didn't I do just... it too much. 
Adrian of Sis was always like, I don't feel comfortable doing it. I don't know how to do it. Bitch, I've spent three hours with you on a motherfucking haunted cruise ship. And shit has happened to me as much as it's happened to you. I'm baiting for motherfucking tips. And people would always ask me, because I'm not kidding you, Sean. I miss that job so much because I would leave on... Brian Llewellyn was even like, how much are you clearing each weekend? And I'm like, that's between me and the ghost. But, I mean, between you and I, I was easily clearing between $300 and $450 a weekend in tips. Nice. I didn't get tipped much during my time there. But you know what? It was okay because I didn't expect it. And if I did... You know, I took it with pride. So you know how I did it, though. I know your At the story. beginning of every tour. I would say, "It's not my job to make you believe in ghosts. I'm just here to tell you the stories. If you believe in them, great. If you don't, great." Now, shit happened on my tours. That's how I found out people were starting to take my tours all the time because shit was happening. Matthew Schultz even said, "Julie, shit's happening on your shit on your tours." Like. Shit's happening, yeah. right? Danny Rangel even said, girl, they're coming out for you. And I was like, I know, I'm not asking them to. Like, but th- I felt them coming out. Things were happening on my tours. So as my tours got popular, I was like, fuck, I'm riding this for all it's worth. And I would tell people at the beginning, it's not my job to make you believe in ghosts. It's my job to tell you the stories of what actually happened. Mm-hmm. I will let you make that decision at the end of the tour. But remind me to tell you how to make sure these entities and spirits don't follow you off the ship and home. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the tour, half the time I'd forget because my tours always ran over. Yeah. So half the time I'd be like, all right, it's been great seeing you. Come back and see us on the Queen Mary. Come back and take our educational tours. If you're staying with us, enjoy the prom, have the lobster bisque again. Like, I forgot half the time. And they'd be like, wait, somebody inevitably always was like, wait, 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 wait. How do we make sure they don't follow us home? And I would always get really quiet and I would look every single one of them because I'd make them stand in the circle around me. Mm-hmm. And I would make every single one of them make sure they made eye contact with me. And then I'd say, they really like it when you tip your tour guide. Now, I said it tongue-in-cheek. Like, I'd always be like, oh, well, they really like it when you tip your tour guide that spent the last three hours with you and had dinner with you, and it's a Saturday and Friday night, and this bitch is single. Like, that's kind of, like, how I would say it. (laughs) But let me tell you, people did not think twice. And on their way out, as they stood by security on that gang plate, they'd be like, This is the most informative tour. I don't want anybody to follow us. Can you please make sure nobody follows us? This was great. Oh my God, you're so funny. This is amazing. And I literally would not lock up after I left because that shit scared the shit out of me. And I would walk out of my car going 20, 40, 60, (laughs) 80, 100, 120. Like that made it worthwhile for me. Oh, good times. Good times. Good times. Guys, it is 7.15. This is usually about the time that we wrap things up. So I'm going to ask Sean. He's asked before. He he knows me pretty well. We pretty much don't have any secrets. 
Sean, I always finish the show with allowing somebody to ask me a question about my medical journey or what I've gone through. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have a question this time around? Sure. So obviously, you know, you know, my last spoke to you during your birthday roast, you know, you were talking to someone and it sounded, you know, really promising and everything. And, you know, and obviously, you know, it takes people to ruin things and to basically scare that person away. And, you know, I never saw you so, you know, devastated of sadness because you really felt for someone and all of a sudden they just walked out and, and left. Now that this is, you know, all, you know, past now, do you still feel like, you know, you still care about this person or are you feeling relief that it happened now rather than you went way up to his neck of the woods and all of a sudden he runs away and, and then all of a sudden you're over there when it happens. Do you think, you know, it worked out better this way? I think that if I traded places with him, I in a million years would not understand or maybe even be able to comp compartment mentalize or even comprehend what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was from my involvement in it. He literally said to me, it was like a drive by. There were a lot of bullets that were thrown and some of us didn't make it out. And he goes, we didn't make it He goes, we haven't made it. He said, it literally destroyed me. And he, he said, you have a very thick skin And you were in the public eye and you deal with it. And he goes, I don't know how you deal with it, but you deal with it. And people find a lot of solace and strength in the fact that you deal with your haters in a way that most people can't. Mm -hmm. He said, but I, I don't have that strength and fortitude. I can't do it. And he said, Julie, I feel like they're always going to be haters trying to destroy us and what you have. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I, he said, I can't do it. The lesson I learned was not to be so open and transparent that you share that because there's always going to be somebody out there that wants to take you down a peg or knock you off the pedestal. Always. That's how the world works. That's all. I mean, it's, it would be very dumb of me to know in a society like this that people absolutely are let me braid your hair and let me like be your best friend and let me like not take a job from you and let me like get to know you better. Like that's not how the world works. Mm -hmm. And I let my guard down and a few haters sought the opportunity to destroy my happiness. Mm -hmm. So moving forward, I don't have any ill will towards him. I hope he finds somebody and I hope he has his best life. I'm moving on, but I also realized I do need somebody in my life that absolutely has my back and absolutely is strong because there absolutely are going to be people in a very public advocacy kind of life that want to take the piss out of me Mm -hmm. and want to knock me down and want to not believe me and are there to like make a threat or a death threat. I mean, I've had death threats. So I don't blame him. I will always love him, but um, 
You know, and I got so close to walking down the aisle and having a white wedding and throwing a bouquet and all the things that I wanted. But I need somebody that's got a little bit tougher skin. Mm. And I need somebody that's going to protect me. And I need somebody that's not going to break, you know, when we fall. And that was not him. And it was a horrible way to find that out. It was a horrible way to find that out. Mm. But living a very public lifestyle in a in an advocacy realm where we're talking about things that people have never heard about before. And mm-hmm. it makes them very angry. And they, and they don't know if the anger is because they don't know what you're talking about. They don't know if the anger is because they feel like they've been lied to their whole lives. They don't, I mean, wherever that anger comes from, it comes from anyway. And I need somebody that's able to hold a shield up with me and in front of me that says, you're not coming for her. Mm. You know, she's doing her job as an advocate to change perceptions and educate. And and her happiness is not on your radar. It doesn't get to be on your radar. And I need somebody that absolutely going to step up. You know, pardon the metaphor, but I need somebody with a thick pair of cowboy boots on and a pair of spurs that's going to turn around and kick a bitch in the face and be like, uh-uh, she's off limits. Mm-hmm. You don't get to come for her. Yes. And I'm entertaining invites. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it taught me not to be so, it taught me to be transparent because that's what people like. But it also taught me to not be so quick to share where I'm going, who I'm involved with. You know, if, if my company releases a PR saying I got married and this is my new husband, that's on me. But to protect those I love and to protect those around me, it's important to hedge my bets and not offer that information up and not be caught in a position where that information gets out there. Mm-hmm. So maybe that answers your question. It does. Sean, it's been a blast having you on and talking about Queen Mary stuff. And I can't wait to be closer to you. That's not saying I'm moving back to Florida. It's just saying in the area. Yes. Um, We definitely will have to get together. I miss Randy. Uh, We have to tell our good friend, Jake, the cake. Happy birthday. Yeah. turned 31. I feel like I've missed out on so much. He has a puppy now that I didn't know that Randy had taken care of. So many things are going on with so many people in my life back from where I used to be. So um, I'm excited to get back into their lives. But Jake, we hope you had a happy birthday yesterday. Welcome officially to your 30s uh, at 31. And uh, Sean and I were talking. Uh, I love you. And I think your little boy haircut looks amazing. But you're in your 30s. You need an adult haircut. Like an adult facial hair too. An adult facial hair. I'm sure your husband would love that. <laughs> so uh, Jake, the cake, Jake Kretschmar, thank you so much for being a friend and a supporter. Happy birthday. Uh, I also want to tell my dad who I invited to be on the show yesterday and he compassionately turned down the offer because he is not a fan of social media. He does not like things like this. He said, you know, I love you and I support you, but I absolutely cannot come on your show. My dad, happy birthday this week. I'm not going to let his age out because, you know, he still looks like Robert Redford. 
But happy birthday to my dad. Also coming up in the next week, my mom and dad celebrate 50 years of marriage. So happy early anniversary to my mom and dad. Thank you for your love and support. Thank you for constantly showing not only your children, but people around you that longevity in marriage is absolutely possible. Um, They're golden anniversaries, so I love that. So we are going to go ahead and get off for the evening. Join us next week. I have a really good friend from my past that I have not spoken to in decades. Miss Vita King Blanchard joining us. Uh, She has just moved into a treehouse. She is living her best life off the grid with her husband and their animals. So it'll be very interesting to talk to her. I believe she's a psychologist now, so that'll be interesting too. And I dragged her to the Miss America pageant in Jersey when we used to live in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. I literally grabbed her one night. I was like, you need some Miss America in your life. And we went down and watched my good friend Kate Schindel win the crown that night. So we are going to be talking about all things Miss America. Miss America is celebrating their 100th uh, anniversary this year. But we're also going to talk to Vita about working at the steakhouse. I think I did her makeup for prom. Like, it's going to be fun times next week. And next week is what? Our 25th show on JustDooley.com. So please, if you're not already subscribed and you love what we talk about and you love this show, make sure you're showing us support either with our Patreon account, either by subscribing and following us on JustJulie.com for more content. I'm on TikTok. I'm selling paparazzi. I am out there, people. You want to be a part of this? Come be a part of it. And that's the place to start is just by coming and logging in and subscribing to JustJulie.com or JustJulie on YouTube. Or Rosé All Day, Julie's a Mess on Spotify and iTunes. It's been a pleasure. Sean is going to stay with me for a little bit as we talk about this week's show. And have a great evening, everybody. And I will see you all next week. For more content, follow JustJulie.com. That's just Julie, J-U-L-E-I-G-H.com. Thank you to our guests, and thank you for joining us this evening. Join us next week as Julie tries a different rosé.